and preaches and begins our new series, Gifted to Go. I just wanted to give it a li- like just a little bit of context as to why we're preaching through this series. It's a thematic series where we're talking about the supernatural gifts, and that was what we were going to call it, supernatural. And uh, we were going to talk through that and talk about the gifts in detail and, and how we can then go and, in practical terms, go and use these gifts that God is giving us. But this week on Tuesday, I just was praying about this and felt like God was saying, no, no, we need to change the title. It needs to be gifted to go. Because even when these gifts are used in the church, in the New Testament, we see that they're, they're used in a way that is to equip the church for mission. So at the heart of what it means to live out and operate in the gifts of the, of the Holy Spirit, particularly supernatural gifts, we are being built up to go, to be out there. And apart from anything else, when we see the gospel in the New Testament being preached, we see signs and wonders accompanying it. And so that is why uh, we've called it Gifted to Go. And I'm really excited about what Stu is going to bring. Hopefully I haven't just, just like you just said it all. some of uh, your preach I've got there. got nothing but, left to say. You know, no. you'll, you'll be fine. Um, let me pray for you, Stu. Really excited about what God's going to bring. Father, thank you so much for uh, this uh, amazing uh, moment for us as a church just to talk about uh, the extraordinary gift of the Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, would you open our hearts right now? Would you cause us to pause and help us realize what we're doing right now? We are not just coming to hear a talk. We are not just watching a video. Lord, we're participating in the kingdom of God. Holy Spirit, you're here, and you want to fill and flood people this afternoon, or whenever they're watching it. So, Lord, would you, would you prepare our hearts right now? Would you help Stu to bring the words that you have given him and are giving him even in the moment. Come, Holy Spirit, in power and work through him. Thank you, God, for what you want to bring right now. We trust you for it. We're listening to you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Ian. Well, this is definitely an improvement on um, the last time uh, that I spoke because that was I was in a room by myself, and um, it's, it's really difficult to uh, preach to a totally empty room. But I have got Naomi and Timmy down here who just led worship, so they they are going to get the they're going to get the full force of the preach. And I've also promised a stage dive at the end, which they're going to catch me on. Um, so if the camera cuts, that's what's happened. Um, <laughs> okay, so um, it's a good job that uh, Ian changed the title of the preach because I was actually already preaching on this, whether he changed the title or not. Um, so it's great that all these things line up. Um, I've been feeling really stirred about some of these things over the last year or so. And um, this is going to be less of a preach and more of a chat. Um, and we're going to go through some of the things that um, I've been uh, feeling uh, that God is speaking to his church and been speaking to me and challenging me with, and we'll do a little bit of Bible reading uh, to make sure that we're scriptural. And um, so if we get the first slide up, 
what kind of Christian are you? Now, so this is the kind of question that people um, sometimes ask me uh, when I'm in the workplace or talking to people, they find out I'm a Christian, and they'll ask that question, what kind of a Christian are you? And what they mean is, what style of church do you belong to? What kind of things do you do in your meetings? Are you, and sometimes they'll go, are you a, uh, um, or are you, in the name of Jesus? And they're the kind of two extremes that they can see for a church. Now, we, we then get, have this kind of awkward pause where we kind of go, start thinking, now, how do I explain what kind of Christian I am? Because really, we all know that it's got nothing to do with the style of meetings that we're a part of. And that's a really difficult thing to explain. So I've been feeling really challenged since all the lockdown stuff has happened, that uh, we start looking at what we're doing and we start thinking about our practices and the stuff that, that is a habit and things that we do and start thinking about what is it that God's saying about how, how his church should work and how we should worship and all these kind of things. Um, so my background of those two pictures uh, was very much the uh, left-hand side. Uh, when I was growing up, I was, uh, when I was younger, I was in a high church of England church and we had the incense, and we had the robes, and we had the choir, and we had the organ, and we had chanting, and we had the little book of prayer, and all that kind of stuff, and that was my Sunday morning. Um, Every week, we would get our Sunday best on, and toddle over to the local church, and we would sit quietly, and if we didn't sit quietly, you'd get people tapping you on the shoulder, going, shh, quiet, we're in church, shh. And you weren't allowed to cough or eat sweets, so you'd have to do it really quietly and hide. Um, that was my upbringing. But my dad got saved in his 20s very radically, um, and he had a very different experience of God. And he saw things and experienced things that didn't fit into the box that my experience was at that time. And he used to tell us stories of things that would that happened when he got saved. So, for example, they, they would uh, pray for the sick, and they would uh, pray for people who, who were um, experiencing demonic oppression. And these are all things that I thought were just stuff that you read in the Bible and didn't really happen anymore. Um, he talked about gifts of the Spirit, getting prophecy and seeing pictures and things like that. And this all seemed like like the, what, the picture on the right to me, this is the crazy stuff. This is the weird stuff that you kind of see on the TV and you think, that is nuts. So I, I had this kind of paradox in my life. One was my experience, and the other were these stories that I was hearing from my, from my dad about how exciting it was to live this Christian life. And um, as we grew up, um, my mom and dad started a group in their house on a Sunday night, um, very cleverly named the Sunday Night Group. Um, and it was uh, made up of teenagers that they had collected from our local area. And they, would, uh, they were hanging around on the street corners and they'd be doing what teenagers do and uh, drinking and taking drugs and 
and fooling around, and a few of them were, I think, churched, but most of them were totally unchurched. Um, and they, uh, they took them into their home, and they taught them, and they prayed with them, and they had a laugh, and I can remember the uh, laughs that used to come. I was very young at the time in bed, and I used to not be able to sleep because of the laughter that came from downstairs um, all the way into the night. And loads of these guys got saved uh, through this ministry, and they were, and then my mum and dad would take them along to the church on Sunday, and they didn't like it very much. Uh, the church were, were not very pleased with having these scruffy teenagers in their church, and um, the teenagers didn't really understand how these two worlds fitted together. Well, that, as I got older, I left home when I was 18, and I was hungry for an experience of God. I was hungry for some kind of real, genuine experience. I, I, I knew the stuff. I'd read the Bible. When I was nine, my dad had, uh, and, and that group had dragged me along to a Billy Graham um, event, and I got saved. In that event, I felt an experience of the Holy Spirit while I was there. And what, what that felt like was I was, I was stood there, I was listening to the preacher, and then when he started talking about sin, and he started talking about conviction, and he started talking about our need to follow Jesus, I felt a weight on me, like I felt something just heavy on me, and I felt like I had to respond. I had to, and I wanted, I wanted to follow Christ, and I didn't know what that really meant, but I knew that I had to. So I ran to the front along with thousands of other people um, at Anfield Football Stadium, and I gave my life to Christ when I was nine. Um, and that, for me, I'd, I'd felt something. I knew something. I knew it was real. There was more than just some teachings and some things I'd learned in Sunday school. But I'd heard there was more. I'd heard there was more. There's more. There's the exciting stuff. What, where is all that? And I went to church for years and never saw any exciting stuff. Where's all this healing stuff and people getting prophecies and pictures and things like that? Well, it's when, when I was 18, I went to Newcastle. Uh, to study music, and I uh, went along, and I'd heard that people were starting to experience things in churches, and so I went on a hunt for a church where they'd been ex experiencing the move of the Spirit, and that church uh, was pointed out to me as being uh, Kingsland at the, at the time. It was uh, joining with another church, and they were becoming a church called City Church Newcastle, and they were part of New Frontiers, which is like the wider body family of churches that Advance is part of. So I went along, and they were, their meetings were wild. They were like nothing I'd ever seen before. They would spend hours just worshiping, like hours worshiping, and we would stand there, and the Holy Spirit would come, and we would feel the presence of God in the room. You, you, the, the atmosphere would change in the room, and people were laughing, and people were full of joy, and people were falling over, and this was all stuff that I didn't really have any box for, um, and so I didn't quite know what to think about it, but I thought, but I knew it felt right. I knew this felt like what I'd been looking for. When I read Acts, it's very different from my early church experience, and it, it sounded a lot more like the experience that I had when I went to City Church I'm going to read the very beginning of Acts, 
um, and what, what happened. And we'll start with what Jesus said before he ascended. In Acts 1, 4 to 8, and he says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father's fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Okay, so Jesus ascended, as we know, and these guys were left, and they all meet, met together in an upper room, and they were praying, and they were waiting. And then we've got Acts 2. We just saw that, the kids' video of what happened, and it's um, brilliant. Acts 2, 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost arrived, now I always thought the day of Pentecost was the name that we gave to when the Holy Spirit came, but it was actually a Jewish festival um, of Pentecost, which I think means 50, and it was 50 days after the Passover. Is that right? He knows. I don't. Um, so <laughs> he's shrugging. <laughs> I think that's what it means. They're all together in one place, um, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. We just read that through. Da, 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 da. The Holy Spirit came in the tongues of fire, and that sounds crazy, doesn't it? When, when, you, when you read that through, just take a, a second to think what it must have been like. They're meeting together in that upper room. Jesus has said, wait, the Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to empower you. He says, don't do anything until the Holy Spirit's come. And then they're waiting, and then fire descends on them after they hear this massive rushing sound. And then they just immediately start speaking in tongues, speaking in different languages, languages that they don't understand. They just start babbling in these languages. And then we hear that it's implied that they all topple out of this upper room, because the next thing we, we hear is that all of the, the people that had gathered for the festival, for this Jewish festival, were gathering round these disciples. I think about 120 of them were in that upper room. And um, they were speaking in tongues that they understood. And some of them come from different areas of the world, and they were visiting for the, for the festival, and they could hear these guys saying things about God in their own language, which is just amazing. And the charge to them was, they must be drunk. Now, I don't know about you, but when, if I heard somebody speaking eloquently in another language that I understood, I wouldn't assume they were drunk. But there must have been something about their behavior that seemed rather drunken. Uh, they seemed to be full of joy. They, pro they were probably very excited, and, and kind of um, there was probably a lot of noise going on. And these guys were, they, the closest they could, could kind of equate it to was people being drunk. Now, I've seen it when the Holy Spirit falls on people, and often when the Holy Spirit comes, we don't have a box for it. There isn't a, there's not a behavior, that, there's not a way that we're meant to act because the Holy Spirit comes on us and, the, and, and our body just can't take it. We, we may start speaking in tongues, we may start laughing, we might start crying because the Holy Spirit of God is resting on us. 
And we should expect something crazy to happen. We should expect something. Now, this doesn't mean that what we want is crazy. This doesn't mean that we want to be weird and act strange and do crazy things and run around. But this means that when the genuine work of God comes on our, our lives, we will see things that do not fit our normal experience of life. And we should expect that. So the church was born out of this. Peter, in in Acts 2, he was standing with the 11, and he lifted his voice, and he says, Men of Judea, all who who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Give ear to my words. These people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Young, young men shall see visions. Your own men shall dream dreams. So, I just feel like it's really easy to forget this stuff. It's really easy to forget that this is the actual core of what it meant to be part of the church, part of the people of God right in the first century. That they had to wait for the Holy Spirit to come, and the Holy Spirit came, and there was this explosion of life, this explosion of of chaos, of kind of crazy activity that made everybody drop everything they were doing and ask the question, what is this? Why do I feel, when I read Acts, that maybe I'm a bit lukewarm? That's not really my experience. You know, these guys went on, they weren't just speaking in tongues, they went on to see healings, raisings from the dead, people having demons drived out of them. They saw amazing miracles, signs and wonders. It says there's so much that happened that most of it isn't even recorded. It's just kind of mentioned in a few verses in Acts. I don't see any style of church meetings in Acts. We just, we just hear about the Holy Spirit power on people. We don't learn that this is how they conducted their meetings or this is what they did here. We, we, we just hear that the people were inhabited by God when he came in power and he enabled them to do something amazing. I was, I've been reading this book, Letters to the Church, by Francis Chan. I just want to read an excerpt from it and it hopefully get you thinking a bit. Um, he talks about, he's talking to a friend, and um, he says, yeah, the church still feels too much like a zoo. So many churches feel like zoos. We take these powerful animals out of the jungle and put them on display in cages. Have you ever seen the movie Madagascar? This was his friend talking uh, to Francis. I immediately knew what he was talking about. The movie begins with a bunch of wild animals in a zoo. All the spectators are in awe of these powerful, exotic animals. Everyone's favorite is the lion. The children go crazy, cheering every time he roars. Most of the animals love this setup. They're extremely well cared for. Trainers wait on them hand and foot, bringing them everything they need and ensuring that their habitats, which are carefully designed to look like the wild, are safe and comfortable for the animals. But the zebra finds himself dreaming about the wild. He can't shake the feeling that he wasn't made to live in a zoo. He was made to roam free. His restlessness creates a situation where several of the animals escape the zoo and later find themselves stranded in the jungle of Madagascar. I feel like through this whole pandemic that's been going on, 
that there's a bit of that in us being stirred where we feel like, I was made for more than this. I, f- I feel like we've, we've, we've tamed ourselves. We've, we've become creatures of habit. We've become creatures of comfort. And um, I was just driving here on the, on the way today, and, and I was passing a guy in the car, and he had, um, he had a mask on. Now, he was in a car by himself on the motorway, wearing a mask. And I just thought, that's crazy. There's absolutely no point in wearing a mask in a car when you're by yourself. It is totally impotent. Why why is he doing it? I don't know. Maybe he had a reason. But I can't help but feel sometimes we do things just out of habit, don't we? We get used to wearing the mask. We get used to putting it on. We get used to doing this in this scenario and this and that scenario. And even when it doesn't make sense, we just keep doing it. I think we need to start questioning ourselves. Are, are, we, are we more creatures of style? This is, what, this is what kind of Christian I am. This is what style of Christian I am. Are we really tapping into the real power of God? Are we really being those that listen? The Holy Spirit is the person of God. He's the third person of the Trinity. When Jesus leaves the disciples, he says, I want you to go and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All three are God. The Holy Spirit has been left with us while Jesus has ascended before he comes back again. The Holy Spirit is our helper and our guide. Why do we need him? Because we need God with us. We can't do the work that Jesus has asked us to do without the Holy Spirit. This, this can be why our churches feel like they're a bit impotent sometimes, because we're just going through the motions. We're doing things. We're having our meetings. We're having our worship, and we're, we're preaching, and we're doing all of it diligently, and we've got good hearts, and we're pastoring and taking care. But at the heart of the gospel is this command. He says, wait for the Holy Spirit, and then go. We're to go in the power of the Holy Spirit. Why do you think that is? Well, I think it's because the job that he's given us to do is impossible to do without the Holy Spirit. So if we're doing something and we think we're doing it for God and we don't really feel like we have the power of the Holy Spirit, I'd suggest that we we might not be doing the, the work of God. His work requires us to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. Jesus was fully dependent on the Holy Spirit for the work that he did. In Psalm 127, it says, Unless the Lord builds this house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. I was reading through 1 Samuel, and I was just struck by how many times um, it says, Obey the voice. It doesn't just say obey, obey God. It doesn't say obey his decrees, obey his commandments. All that stuff is there. But every time it used the word obey, it also coupled it with the word the voice. And sometimes it's obey the voice of Saul, obey the voice of David, obey the voice of the people. But often it was obey the voice of the Lord. Now, God wants us to obey his voice. How do we obey his voice? We need to hear it. We need to be able to hear the voice of God. And we can hear the voice of God 
through Scripture, through the Spirit illuminating it, but we have been given the Holy Spirit, the Helper, the very person of God who knows all the things of God and He will make them known to us so that we can do the work. So sometimes that might look crazy to the world and it might look crazy to us. If it didn't, we would be able to do it by ourselves. I think we need to start to shake ourselves a bit and stir ourselves for something bigger than what we're, ex- what we're used to. So when I was a teenager, my expectation was maybe there's some, some more, maybe I, there's some cool stuff that could happen. And as, as I've got older and I've had more experience of God, I've, I've been filled with His Spirit. That happened when I was 18. When I started going along to City Church in Newcastle, the Holy Spirit fell on me. What was that like? I didn't see tongues of fires, t- tongues of fire on me. I don't even know what a tongue of fire looks like. I, th- I assume it's just like a flame or something. I can't even picture the thing. But they saw a physical manifestation of the Holy Spirit on them. I didn't have anything like that. But I, f- I felt so overwhelmed with the Spirit that sometimes I lay on the floor for three hours at a time, just in the presence of God, hearing God speak to me, feeling His peace over me feeling excited about God, getting new revelation from the Scriptures, speaking in tongues. I'd never spoken in tongues before. All the way through Scripture in the New Testament, when we see the Holy Spirit come on people, they started to speak in tongues. I know that uh, next week, uh, Ian and Lindsay are going to be talking about prophecy and hearing from God and speaking. These are all things that happen when the Holy Spirit comes on us. But how... How does this happen? Shouldn't, shouldn't it just be we go to church and then, you know, we'll have, uh, have a word and we'll do this and we'll have a few, a, a, a few prophecies and maybe a picture? Well, I think, I think God's got more in, in line for us than that. I, I got a picture last year when we were um, just going into lockdown and... Um, I felt like he was helping me see some of what, what he's doing in the church as a whole. And it's a picture of a tree. Um, prophecies about a tree are, are ten a penny, I know. But uh, I saw this tree with um, this really massive trunk and these huge branches. And it was an impressive tree and it had lots of shade that it was creating and it was kind of looming on the, on, on the, over the, the kind of skyline. And I felt God say, the tree looks impressive, but all of the effort that's gone into the tree has gone into the, the trunk, into building the trunk. The roots are really shallow, and this tree will never be able to bear fruit. And I just, f- I felt that God's, God was speaking to me about, about the church in general in the West, about how we have become um, just focused on our meetings and our style and how we present ourselves to the world. What God wants is depth. What he wants is, is us to be rooted in his power, rooted in experience of the Spirit. I've got stories that I could tell you of the times where God has broken in, where he's answered amazing prayer, and where he's done things, and where I've prayed for the sick and seen them healed, where I've, I've, I've seen the demonic dealt with. I've even tried 
to, to ask to pray f- for somebody who, who died and been told, no, you can't, because it was totally inappropriate. But the, but the passion and the zeal was there. God wants to, to challenge us to stop thinking inside the box and start believing him that he can, he can come and he can fill us and he can send us out. The context for all of this was in going. None of this, none of this was about a meeting in a, in a room. In fact, the early church, they didn't have a meeting place. They met in homes. When they first started in Acts 2, they were just meeting in homes around the city. They, didn't, that they would go along to the synagogues, but they were Jewish synagogues. They were preaching in the Jewish synagogues, trying to get people converted. They didn't have a meeting, but what they, what they had was the Holy Spirit where they were. And that's what we need right now. We need the Holy Spirit where we, where we are in lockdown, in our neighborhoods, in our families, where, in our workplaces, wherever we are. When we're on a Zoom call, we need to be waiting for God. I just kind of feel like there's a, a challenge to us today. To the, the concept of waiting to us feels like a very passive thing, doesn't it? It feels like we just kind of sit back and wait for God to do something. That's not what, what the, the uh, disciples were doing when they waited. And I don't know if you've seen um, any of these videos of the Chinese underground church and what they look like when they're praying there is a passion and a zeal and an expectancy when these people are seeking God because they know they need him to do what he has given them to do. Maybe us in our comfort, we've got to acclimatize to, to uh, comfort and, and, and easy lives compared to what they're living in their, in their country, but they know they need God. They know that if they don't have God with them, that they are not going to be able to do what he's asked them to do because they will get put in prison and they will get killed. And it happens. We need the Holy Spirit to give us boldness. I don't think that Peter would have had the boldness to stand up and give that message that he gave on the, that first day if he hadn't been filled with the Spirit. I think it, it's like one of those things that happens um, it's, it's, it's almost like drunken behavior, isn't it? Where he, he has much more boldness than he would normally have. But this was drunkenness with the Holy Spirit. He was totally high on just an experience with God, and he did not care what anybody thought. And he knew that this was more real, what he was experiencing right now, than what all of those people might have thought about him. And so he preached his heart out, and, and he pleaded with them, and he said, this is, what, this is who Jesus was, and this is who we, we have the Holy Spirit now. You need to respond. You need to respond, and you need to repent. Kingdom advance is what this is all about, really, isn't it? It's not about meetings and growing churches and and having and looking after one another, although these are all things that, that we do and they're all good, but the core of what we're committed to and what we should be doing is being 
is being on the advancing edge of the kingdom, seeing the kingdom come. Jesus left us with a, with a command. He left us with a challenge, which is go into all the world and make disciples of all. We can't do that without the power of the Spirit. We can't do that without knowing how to engage with the world around us. We can't do that without having the power to see the sick healed so that we can demonstrate the nature of the kingdom. We can't do that without having prophecy and being able to be strategic about what we do. I just really feel that we, want, we, should, we should spend some time seeking God, not just, not just so that we can get answers for things, but so we can ex- experience him in a way that gives us that boldness. And if you've never been filled with the Spirit before and you've heard these stories and you don't know about things like tongues and prophecy, I just urge you to press in for that. It's a a scriptural thing. When Peter gets the, the, um, the word to go to the Gentiles and he has that whole picture of the unclean animals and and he's, he's then given this direction from the Holy Spirit to go and meet Cornelius, um, who's a centurion, I think. And um, he goes to the, to the house of Cornelius eventually. And Cornelius has been warned as well that Peter's going to come. And then when he comes, he says, and they all believe, but they hadn't received the Holy Spirit. He prays and the Holy Spirit fall on them. And then they start to, they start to speak in tongues. And to, to Peter, that was a demonstration that the Holy Spirit was on them. Now, I'm not saying that everybody has to speak in tongues. I'm not saying that all, everybody has to have every gift. In fact, the Bible te- teaches that not everybody will have every gift. But we should expect to receive the gifts of the Spirit. We should expect to be operating out of power and not out of impotence. We should be expecting God to change us through experience and by empowering us so that we can achieve the things that he set for us to do. We've been called to go and not bring, yeah? Jesus says, go into all the world. He doesn't say bring the world into a meeting. I think the worst thing that the disciples could have done would have been to stay in that upper room and just have a jolly up there. Isn't this great? Look, we've, we don't understand what we're saying. I don't understand what you're saying. I don't understand what I'm saying. But this is cool, isn't it? It's great. Wow, the Holy Spirit's come. We had the fire thing. The fire thing happened. You remember the fire thing? And we just sat around and we talked to each other and then we had a chat about it and we prayed some more and it was great. If they'd stayed in the upper room, the church would have never been birthed. It required them to spill out into the world with the gifts that they'd received. But they needed both. And that's why they had to wait. They had to wait for the Holy Spirit. Because if they'd spilled out into the world on their own power and on their own strength, they wouldn't have accomplished anything. Now, I have no idea how much time I have left. Have I gone over time? Yeah, I've gone over time. Is enjoying it. That's nice. I feel I had a picture last last year, a couple of pictures that were um, 
contrasting, and I just just quickly share them, and then we'll pray. Uh, one was of a watering hole in a savanna, and it's what's amazing about a watering hole is that it's not man-made; um, it's just naturally occurring, and all of the animals in the uh, area around it they know where it is because it's a source of life to them. They need it to survive. And they will come to it, and indiscriminately they will feed from it. I feel God was speaking to me about the church, and that that he's about a new thing in the church, that we are going to be a source of life to the neighborhoods that that we're in, that we're not creating a structure for people to come into, we're not creating a meeting for people to attend, but we're going to go in the power of the Spirit, and we're going to bring life to the communities that we're in. I felt God speak this sentence to me. He said, the water flows to the lowest places of the land, and the watering hole is situated there. I feel like we've been missing something in the way that we we go in church. And we haven't really been going. We've been trying to invite people along, and we invite our friends and family, and that's all good. But God's saying... Remember remember what Jesus said? He gave a number of hints. He said things like, go to the poor, go to the hungry, blessed are the poor in spirit, the broken, the destitute, the widows, those that can't provide for themselves, those that are in pain, those who are in prison. I just felt really convicted that God is saying, you know what? You've been excited about doing ministry and all these kind of things, but really, are you willing to go? Are you willing to go where I want you to go? Are you willing to go to those places? Are you willing to go into the rough areas that you'd rather keep your children away from? Are you willing to go there? Are you willing to talk to those people? Are you willing to bring them the good news? Because I tell you what, they're the ones that are hungry. They're the ones who are thirsty. I felt challenged that God said that the fields are white unto harvest. And the issue isn't that people aren't ready. It's that there aren't enough workers. And I was like, but we've got, there's, lo- there's loads of us, God. We were all willing to, said, really? Are you willing? Are you willing to suffer on account of me? Well, I, I thought the Holy Spirit was meant to be a comforter. I thought you were meant to comfort me. So ask Stephen the martyr how comforted he was. He was comforted because he knew where he was going. The Holy Spirit isn't here to make us feel all cushy and nice, although he will make us feel good. But he's here to make us powerfully effective in the work that God's given us to do. And the Holy Spirit is our guide, and he's our helper. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to give us the easy route. And lots of the martyrs in the first century would, were, were considering it joy to die on account of the gospel because they knew that they were joining with Christ in his sufferings. That We've got a lot to learn, I think, in the West here in our comfortable lifestyles. We need to be, we need to be challenged We need to be like the watering hole. 
we need to realize that we can't build something to contain the work that God's going to do, but we need to go where he's acting. We need to go where the Holy Spirit's flowing, where he's most comfortable, and he's most comfortable where people are broken, where people are needy. I got to go to the uh, mission, uh, Glasgow City Mission, last week, and uh, there's hardly anybody there because lots of people have been rehoused. Uh, but there were some um, internationals, uh, asylum seekers, and people that are struggling to find places. And I got to pray with this uh, Muslim guy who was just so excited to have somebody serving him food and to talk to him about God. And he takes prayer whenever anybody will give it to him. And I got to stand there and pray for him. And it was, just felt such like such an honor to be a part. Now, I don't know what's going to happen in his life, but I felt, I felt honored to be part of that. Now, I've never done anything like that before, but I, I'm feeling challenged so I want to challenge you, step out, realize that the Holy Spirit isn't just to create a style of meeting. It isn't, it isn't about creating a type of Christianity. It's about empowering us to be the people that he wants us to be. Right, let's pray. I, I, I do believe that um, God wants to fill people who've not been filled with the Spirit before. Um, and if you've not been filled with the Spirit, and you don't know what that means, um, I believe that God is available now. There's a promise that, that Jesus says, if, if you want the Holy Spirit, you just ask, because the Father's willing. The Holy Spirit of God will come and he'll fill you. He'll give you peace and joy. And he will fill you with the ability, the power to do the things that he's called you to do. So um, I'm just going to pray, and I'm going to believe that wherever you are, whether you're here in this room or whether you're watching on YouTube or watching next week, God, God is not limited by time and space. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to believe that the Holy Spirit's going to fall. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we love you. We value you. We honor you. Thank you that we get to have you to help and empower us and to reveal the Father to us and to show us who we are, what we're meant to be, what we're meant to be doing. I just pray right now I can't lay hands on these people as you instruct us to, but I just ask that as I pray right now that you will fill everybody who's in a position of receiving, everybody who's weighed up the cost and said, I will follow, I want to go, I am willing, I'm willing to listen. Fill them now, God. filled be filled you might receive tongues if you start getting a word in your head feel free to speak it out you can't you can't speak in tongues without speaking so if you want to learn how to speak in tongues the best way to speak in tongues is to just start speaking 
let the Holy Spirit move you. Now, there's no penalty if you get it wrong. But sometimes we have to take a step forwards. We have to believe God. Jesus. Have the band back up and we'll also feel God wants to put his finger on issues of sin in people's lives where you know that you're living a, a duplicitous life where you turn up to meetings and you talk about God and you get excited, but you know that, that God's been putting his finger on things and saying, you can't, you can't serve both kingdoms. Just feel there's an opportunity right now for repentance, and that means turning away from your sin and choosing to orient yourself towards Christ and saying, I want to look like him. I want to be like him. And as you do that, I pray right now that you are filled with the Spirit who will enable you to live a grace-filled life, will enable you to walk in purity and in righteousness. also think there's a few people who have been experiencing very dark thoughts. You're struggling with, with depression. And you're struggling with, with kind of this sense of, of something weighty on you. It almost feels like something weighty on you that you can't shake. I just, I just feel like God wants to break the power of the enemy today as well over his children he wants to break it i just speak to, speak to that right now in the name of jesus and say be broken be free from that right now in the name of jesus i speak to all restraints that are evil and that are that are causing depression and suicidal thoughts and things like that i speak to you you have no power be broken in the name of Jesus. We want to walk free as servants. anywhere pressing spend time now pressing we need you God
feel like you have given yourself to worthless idols, to comfort, to the pursuit of money or the pursuit of fame. would remind you you're called to follow him you're called to follow him you're called to lay it down you're called to count that cost and so I want you God he will give his spirit to you which will more than satisfy you app if you want to share things that God is doing in you right now look don't be embarrassed I've, I've been broken many times over the last many years but this last 12 months I just felt God putting his finger on so many things in my life challenging me to take him seriously if God's speaking to you write it down Share it. Bring your testimony before others. It's so encouraging and it means that others can, others can hear what God's doing in your life. If you've got pro- prophecy for the church, if you've got prophecy for other people, step out. Let's start stirring those gifts up. Father, we we repent for when we have stayed in the upper room. We repent for when we've not pressed in and waited for you. We repent when we've got bored too quickly and given up. Or when we thought that you were just going to make us feel good and that's what this is all about. This is about my comfort and my satisfaction and my purpose and my meaning and my ministry and my future security. You're God and we worship you. 
You are Lord, Jesus, you are Lord, and we follow you. I want to treat people the way that you treated them. faith has come to you and you just think yeah, that's what I've always wanted I've wanted to see a move of God where I live, where I work where where my kids go to school or where I'm studying or I, I just but you know I'm serving here and I'm doing this here I just feel God saying you don't need permission from any man to be fruitful where you are Jesus gave you that permission already before he left. It's what he's expecting us to do. It's what he's coming back for. Sometimes I wonder if it's taking a while because we're just not getting the message. We've got to listen. We've got to, we've got to go. Man, I'm feeling it at the minute. I'm feeling, I'm feeling stirred. I've got to start doing something. I need, I've got to stop living for the now. Take, take this opportunity, join lockdown as well, take this opportunity, press on it.